Good evening and welcome to the News Hour. Regional banks took a beating today, suffering their deepest losses on the stock market in years. It follows the failure of two major banks and after the government's top financial authority spent the weekend taking action to shore up confidence around the larger banking system. No other bank failed today, but the pain is hardly over for certain banks. Economics correspondent Paul Salman reports. Markets opened this morning and investors promptly dumped bank stocks, despite President Biden's efforts to reassure depositors and investors. Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Damage control after the largest U.S. banking failure since the 2008 financial crisis. On Friday, regulators shuttered the Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, and promised that insured depositors would have access to their money today. But that left uninsured depositors with large accounts to pay their employees desperate. Lindsay Michaelides, who runs the startup Strong Suit, said she wouldn't be able to pay her employees or even feed her own family. On ABC, she elaborated. We have people who you know, just bought their first house and they're scared of how are they going to make their mortgage payment and, um, and are they going to lose their job? So yesterday, the government extended its promise to all depositors, insured or not. Now, a bit of basic context. Banks take deposits on which they pay interest and then lend out the money at a higher rate. But depositors can now withdraw their money in a heartbeat, while the loans can't be recalled or sold off that quickly. Until yesterday, depositors at Silicon Valley and every other bank in America had their deposits insured but only up to $250,000 per person in most cases. Problem was, almost half of all U.S. bank accounts are greater than $250,000 and thus uninsured. In SVB, uninsured money was almost 98% of all deposits. That works as long as depositors believe the bank has enough money in the vault. And the banks are forced by regulators to keep a cushion of reserves in supposedly super-safe U.S. Treasury bonds. But as interest rates have soared, those bonds have lost value. And therefore, banks don't have the cushion they once did. What happened last week is that depositors like billionaire investor Peter Thiel pulled their company's money out of SVB, which triggered a bank run not unlike during the financial crisis or the Great Depression. Frightened depositors determined to take their money and run. Which is why Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and Fed Chief Jay Powell and the FDIC announced yesterday that the government will now reimburse the uninsured depositors to reassure the likes of you and me and prevent a nationwide run. That came as a big relief to folks like Lindsay Michaelides. And the government also threw a lifeline to customers of Signature Bank, which regulators shut down over the weekend. But some customers remain skeptical. I'm coming here to see if I have to close my accounts or not. Hopefully the bank will be bought by another bank and I can keep my accounts here. But if they're not or if there's any question, I want to empty my accounts and bring it to another bank. And as some customers lined up outside Silicon Valley Bank today, trading was halted in roughly a dozen other banks. For the PBS NewsHour, Paul Salman reporting. As you can see from the reaction today, plenty of questions remain about the government's action and the potential fallout from the collapse of these two banks.
Simon Johnson is closely following this. He's a former chief economist of the International Monetary Fund and a professor at MIT's Sloan School of Management. And Anat Admati is professor of economics at Stanford's Business School. She has written extensively about the banking system. Welcome to you both. And Simon, government agencies taking emergency measures to backstop the financial system after the collapse of two banks, that sounds eerily reminiscent of what happened some 15 years ago. Help us understand why this time is different. Well, let's hope it's different. Let's hope we don't get uh, those kind of serious repercussions we experienced in 2008 and, and 2009. I think this time what we're, what we're looking at is some relatively small banks that um, uh, had uh, bad assets. They had a lot of uh, scared depositors. There was a run on those banks. And then people started to say, well, who's next? What, what kind of dominoes could fall? The government, uh, through the Federal Reserve, the FDIC, and the Treasury Department, stepped in this weekend and, and has attempted to stop the panic. And I think so far they've been quite effective. Anat, the, the government's expansive response here to stabilize the banking system, do you think that will be enough? We don't know for sure, because there are a lot of hidden losses in this system, and it's just fragile all the time. So if you put a lot of backstops on it, then you'll stem uh, at least some runs, but a lot of these accounts, deposit accounts, are very large. So they're very finicky, and they could run. Now, they, when they raise the insurance limit to infinity, then people will stay home, and that's what they did during the financial crisis as well. And Simon, if the government says that, you know, we're going to guarantee deposits above the established $250,000 threshold, doesn't that in some way reward irresponsible behavior? I mean, what's the point of bank risk management at all if the federal government's going to come in and, and backstop it? No, I think what, what rewards uh, irresponsible risk management is when you keep the management on and when you protect the equity holders. That's not what happened over the weekend. Silicon Valley Bank um, and, and, and in, in the uh, other bank that failed, um, management has been removed and the equity holders uh, have, have gone to zero. Um, the question of depositors is, is different, I, I think, particularly in this situation, particularly in the modern world, particularly when a Silicon Valley Bank, for example, on Thursday, about a third of their U.S. deposit base tried to leave, withdraw, on the same day, same business day. That's, that's, that's a digital economy um, phenomenon, I think, the intensity of that kind of run. And honestly, uh, I, I think it's time to insure all of deposits. I, I understand not everyone's ready to go there, and the government hasn't done that yet. But once you do that, as Anat uh, said, you stop anybody's incentive to move to another bank. There has to be then, of course, very strong supervision and high capital requirements and very effective regulation. And we've struggled on all of those over the past 15 years. But that's what you're going to need going forward. So, Annette, as you well know, the blame game here in Washington is well underway. There are lawmakers pointing to what happened back in 2018 under the Trump administration when some of the Dodd-Frank regulations were rolled back for mid-sized banks. In your view, what does responsible, practical regulation look like for regional, community, mid-sized banks? Well, I have ideas about what regulation should look like for all banks. They always say, oh, the small banks are not a problem. But then they are a problem. All banks are a problem when they are run with basically taking the upside and leaving the downside to others much more than they need to be. So you can have a bloated system in that way where, you know, everything's fine until it's not. So the 
what Simon just mentioned, uh, what I've been advocating for is a lot more what they call capital, but I think you have to be very careful that it's not thought of as some cash reserves held on the sideline, but as equity funding coming from investors that cares about the downside. Right now, there's too little care about the downside in the private sector, and when the downside comes, then they go running to the government. Simon, will this change the way the Fed calculates the next rate hike? What happened over the weekend? <laughs> I think so, Jeff. I mean, we'll have to obviously see how the rest of the week uh, plays out. A couple of problems for the Fed here. One is that it, it's their raising of interest rates that has caused some of these issues for banks. Now, why the Fed's own supervisors didn't flag that, very interesting question. They're going to have to sort that one out. And then, of course, there's issues for the real economy. Are there going to be problems because some people couldn't make payroll or because credit is become, going to become a little more shy under these circumstances? That is all going to have to be factored into the Fed's decision-making. And, Dinat, how, how do regular people know if their bank is well-managed, if they happen to have... Uh, their money stored away with, with small regional that's banks? That's a great question, Jeff, because we don't. And that's the whole idea. We want to just trust that it's taken care of. And the job of people to take care of it, just like the job of ensuring our safety on the roads, is of the policemen, or in this case, the supervisors and regulators. And they're the ones that are supposed to know that the assets are down in value and that there are a lot of uninsured deposits to this bank who are going to be unpleasantly surprised. So the key to all of it is effective regulation. And we just didn't have that. What does effective regulation look like in your view? Well, I, th I think the cornerstone of effective regulation is to have, as Anat said, very strong levels of equity and real equity, not fake equity. And there's many ways that it can be fake, but real equity that can absorb losses. So Silicon Valley Bank obviously didn't have enough equity. They were running, you know, a $200 billion bank on a couple of billion dollars of, of equity at, at the end. That, that doesn't work. That, that's when depositors start to worry. That's how you, you get panic. So first and foremost, get the equity right, larger buffers, more resilient buffers. And then, of course, you have to have sensible regulation about how much risk is a bank like that allowed to take? Again, Silicon Valley Bank, we, we, we already know, took a lot of risk. Um, funnily enough, by buying uh, government bonds, but they bought long government bonds, which were very exposed to, which fall in value when interest rates rise, and they funded themselves with short-term deposits. So they're paying more on deposits, the value of their assets is less, they have no equity. I mean, that was the realization people came to on Wednesday of last week. End of Thursday, the bank is gone completely. Mm -hmm because they couldn't um, find enough liquidity to match their withdrawals. One day, that's what it took. Yeah. And now, what do you see as the ripple effect here for the tech sector? Well, the tech sector got saved because they wanted to make payroll and the government didn't want more panic, so they kind of could breathe a little easier in terms of their deposits. The tech sector funds itself in all kinds of ways. A bank is not usually the way they fund themselves. They go to venture capital, they fund themselves in other ways. So the tech sector has its own problems right now, the crypto uh, turmoil, all kinds of other things. But I mean, this banking part of it is, is, is just a wake up call on the fragility of banking, basically. And, uh, you know, the bank couldn't raise equity. There was a huge flag. That means that they were too deep in the hole by that time. It was for the regulators and for the supervisors to know that that was really an accident waiting to happen. Adnat Admadi and Simon Johnson, thank you both for your insights. Appreciate it. Thank you.